Election College, episode 234, Edwin Stanton. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Andrew Johnson, well, he didn't have a vice president. So when this week we were trying to think of some ideas of what we're going to talk about, we decided let's let's just back up or let's run a parallel. Sounds like a good idea. So we're going to talk about Stanton today. And then in our next episode, we're going to be talking about our buddy, William Seward or Seward. Why did I say Seward? Uh, it makes sense. I mean, Seward. Seward. It's kind of like, you know, if you spell sewer, it's similar. At least a few first few letters are. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to be talking about Edwin Stanton. And most of us know who Edwin Stanton is, right? Because he was the Secretary of War in the Lincoln administration. But, oh my goodness, there's a lot of stuff this guy did. And as we're talking about Stanton and Seward, my goodness, they knew a lot of people from... Well, the revolutionary era. It's pretty crazy. But anyway, we'll jump right into it. Edwin Stanton, he was born in December of 1814 in Steubenville, Ohio. And uh, he had a couple of sisters and a brother. And he was described as being, quote, physically delicate, grave, and studious. Yeah, and he was also known to be, you know, a pretty smart guy. He was also known to be a pretty empathetic guy. Friendly, I guess you could say as well. And basically, he started out at a private school and uh, went to a seminary, which was actually just out behind uh, their house. So not too far to go to work, uh, to school, I mean. And uh, he ends up going to another school that was taught by a Presbyterian pastor uh, when he was about 10 years old. And, you know, at that point, he got to study a lot of the um, more highbrow kind of languages and stuff. He got to study Latin and Greek and uh, history and all sorts of things like that. And it was about this time where he started having some health problems. It was actually, uh, you know, he had an asthma attack, which asthma continued to be a problem in his life. It sounded like it was pretty severe, uh, would make him convulse and perhaps even seize at times. He's not able to do a lot of that stuff that, like, every, you know, average 10-year-old boys like to do, run around, play basketball, whatever. Uh, so he finds a lot of other things he's interested in. He learns to read. He learns poetry. He, uh, you know, likes the idea of books. And he even starts out and has a, a library between him and some of his friends. So uh, he quickly becomes kind of a brain. And at the age of 13, he actually becomes a full member of the Methodist Church. And it's not real common for children to become members of churches at this time. So quite the accomplishment. Yeah. So his dad, he was a doctor, and they they did pretty well there in Steubenville. But then David Stanton, his dad, dies in December of 1827. And this leaves the family destitute. His mom opens up a store in the front room of their house and she sells medical supplies that David left behind. 
as well as books and groceries. I can't imagine you're going from you know, probably upper middle class lifestyle to very poor. Yeah. So because of David's death, Edwin needs to withdraw from school and he goes to work at a local bookseller. A couple of years later, he goes to Kenyon College and he's there working hard and is very involved in his literary society. He's taking a lot of leadership in uh, different academic societies and so on. And he runs out of money. Um, but even though he has to stop attending Kenyon, he really throws himself into politics and being interested in what's going on. And he stands behind Andrew Jackson. He's an Andy Jack follower. But the strange thing was is that Stanton, who by this time was ascribing to uh, Episcopalian um, beliefs, he's like, wait a second, slavery, that's horrible. I don't agree with that. So he comes back uh, from Kenyon and goes back to work uh, for Turnbull, the bookseller guy. And he goes to Columbus, Ohio to run a bookstore over there. So he hopes that running that bookstore in Columbus will give him the opportunity to raise funds to finish his final year at Kenyon. But this doesn't happen. So unfortunately, he goes back to Steubenville and pursues law. Well, he must have wanted to be a president because we know that all good presidents study law, right? Well, I mean, no spoilers here or anything, but Stanton doesn't end up becoming president. But he does study law pretty aggressively. What? Wait, why, why are we talking about him? <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, uh, I, I have no idea, actually. Shoot. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> what if we just like if, if it was a less known subject if we were just to, like run an episode and you know not tell anybody if they became the president until the till the end of the episode you think they would know i think they probably would figure it out but we could yeah we could do something similar anyway he's studying for the bar and he gets admitted to practicing law in 1835 uh the next year he starts working at a pretty prestigious law firm in ohio and uh He's kind of a trial lawyer. He's really doing well. He's working hard to understand uh, the ins and outs of the law. And, uh, you know, at times he even let his own health suffer. Um, he was also able to meet a young lady named Mary Ann Lampson at the uh, church that he attended. And they got engaged. And they ended up buying a house there in uh, Cadiz, where he had settled down to work for the attorney. And they had wanted to get married at the church where they met, but Stanton had gotten pretty ill and uh, it wasn't able to happen. So they got married at the home of the rector of the church and uh, they went down to Virginia then and brought all of his mother and sisters and the whole family and everything. And they came up and they lived with him there in Cadiz. So during this time, he becomes a partner with Benjamin Tappan. And what we need to know about Tappan is that in 1838, he gets elected to the United States Senate as, as the senator from Ohio. So Tappan um, says, hey, Edwin, uh, take charge. You're, you're the man now. <laughs> and um, he oversees all of Tappan's law operations, which were based in Steubenville. So Stanton goes to Steubenville 
that sounds like a book. Yeah. A movie. Dr. Seuss uh, book, probably. It, yeah. <laughs> and Stanton uh, serves as a delegate in the 1840 Democratic National Convention in Baltimore. And that's where our good buddy Marty campaigned and lost subsequently. But anyway, uh, the Stantons have a couple of kids there. And unfortunately, one of his daughters passes away very early on. And then a couple of years later, his wife passes away. And this death of his first wife really affects him. I mean, he was having episodes that uh, would have been labeled as uh, insane, where he was just walking around the house saying, where is Mary? So after his wife's passing, Stanton decides that Pittsburgh would be a great place to go move his operations because, let's face it, there's a lot of commerce going on in Pittsburgh around this time. Kind of interesting, Ben, because every time I drive to your house, uh-huh. I go through Wheeling, West Virginia. Uh-huh. And if you ever go through Wheeling, West Virginia, there's a couple ways you can go. You can take the bypass, which the signs on the highway tell you to take the bypass, or there's the one lane that goes right through Wheeling. Yep. Um, both viewpoints, both the bypass and the, the one that goes right through downtown, you can see the suspension bridge. And very cool history about the Wheeling suspension bridge because at one time it was the longest suspension bridge in the world. And for quite some time it held that distinction. Well, there was quite a rivalry between Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania in general and Virginia. Of course, Wheeling was in Virginia at the time because West Virginia wasn't. And Stanton took the viewpoint that this bridge is so low that smokestacks on ships can't get through and they can't clear it. So a lot of commerce can't get up to Pittsburgh. This is wrong. And he goes all the way to the Supreme Court to fight this bridge. And they're like, hey, you're kind of right, Mr. Stanton. They need to raise it. And there's a lot. We could probably do a whole episode about this court case and some of the implications. But what you need to know is there was a time when Wheeling could have been as big as Pittsburgh. But it's not. And one of these days I'm going to pull off to the side of the road because that bridge is really cool. There's a lot of history there. And uh, actually, it's kind of interesting because here Stanton later on becomes very much uh, a part of the Union cause in the Civil War. And this bridge found itself in the crosshairs of the Civil War because, well, the Confederates wanted it. But they never got to it because, of course, you know, we've we've talked about West Virginia before. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting study, Jason. And I've never, I think I've even been very close to that bridge, but I've never actually been studied it or anything like that. So it's, yeah. yeah. It's a huge rabbit trail, but it is interesting because at the time, the whole interstate commerce and basically the states kind of funded the canal system and roads and things like that and pennsylvania was very much a part of the whole canal point of view and virginia wasn't they were more of the roads but then the whole thing of west virginia being so different than virginia uh-huh. 
um, because Richmond was only looking out for the East Coast. They weren't looking out for what was happening in the in Appalachia. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I don't know. We big rabbit trail, but fascinating. So while Stanton is gaining critical acclaim and he is working on some cases that even make it to the Supreme Court and stuff like that, he's uh, working on himself. And by himself, I mean he's getting engaged to another lady after his wife had passed. Uh, her name is Ellen Hutchinson, and she's actually 16 years younger than Stanton is. And so they meet at church, so it seems to be a trend for uh, for Edwin. I met my wife at church, Jason. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so he meets his wife at church, this new this new lady, and you know she's pretty um, wealthy, or at least her family is wealthy, and they're actually descendants of Meriwether Lewis, which is kind of cool. And you know, mom is not real terribly thrilled that you know her twenty six year old daughter might be getting married to a forty one year old man, but. Nonetheless, they get married in June of 1856 at her father's house. Uh, they head up to Niagara Falls and stuff like that. Man, can you imagine going up to Niagara Falls without all of the glitz and neon lights? Yeah, just around it. Just nature. Be like, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, something else that's really interesting about Stanton's career before he became famous in our hearts and minds was our buddy well actually our i would not say he's our buddy our arch all, enemy yes other than aaron burr True. daniel sickles he's right up there um stanton ends up crossing paths with him because well sickles kills francis scott key's son right and it almost sounds like a uh, Princess Bride thing. <laughs> when Sickles confronts Key's son, he says, Key, you scoundrel, you have dishonored my home, you must die. It, doesn't that sound like Princess Bride? It definitely like, does. Prepared, you know, Ningo Montoya, prepare to die. Yeah. Anyway, basically, Stanton represents Sickles in court and gets him off because of insanity. Go figure. Yeah, well, Sickles I'm, was definitely insane, so... What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, it might have been voluntary voluntary insanity, yeah. but anyway. So, Ben, n- not to interrupt, but yeah, to interrupt. There's a lot about Edwin Stanton's life, and I don't think either you or I could have anticipated that it was going to take this long. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to split this up into two episodes. Yeah, we'll talk to you on the next episode about the rest of his life and all the exciting stuff he did. In the meantime, we hope you will uh, check us out on social media. We really like interacting with you over there. And, you know, it's just nice to know that you're thinking about us when we're thinking about you. Yeah, we know it's creepy that we think about you and we've never met, but that's okay. Yeah, but, I mean, think about it. They're listening to us. That's the thing. It's weird with podcasts because, like, when I listen to a podcast for a long time, I feel like I know those people. But those people have no idea who I am. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know us, (laughs) but we don't know you. But we would like to get to know you. And one really good way to get to know us better, in addition to interacting with us on social media, is to leave a rating and review. Because let's face it, whenever a rating and review comes in and it's five stars, we do a happy dance. And that's the real Jason and Doug. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.